right, eight minutes after 10 o'clock as we continue in hour number two on this free-for-all Friday that's not so free-for-all. We're uh, going to be very call-light today because we are very guest-heavy. At the bottom of the hour, 1035, Jim Simpson from uh, Red Green Access Exposed will be joining us to talk about their next webinar, their online security briefing. Uh, that'll be coming up on Sunday night. And uh, for now, we continue with our friend Peter Kersenow, the new vice chair of the uh, U.S. Commission on Civil Rights. He, of course, is also a Cleveland attorney and our regular guest on Tuesdays on AM 1420, The Answer. Pete, good to have you here on a Friday. It probably feels weird, right? You're, uh, it doesn't feel like the weekend, does it? It does, but, you know, the good news is that usually on Tuesdays we're a little bit rushed. You know, it is, uh, it's not toward the weekend. Uh, right now, even though I've got a full plate for the day, it is a little bit more relaxing. Awesome, and I'm glad you can stay with us for another segment or two. Okay. Um, Pete, I want to play just a couple of clips of the President of the United States from his acceptance speech yesterday, and then I want to talk a little bit more about the specifics thereof. In perhaps no area did the Washington special interests try harder to stop us than on my policy of pro-American immigration. But I refuse to back down, and today America's borders are more secure than ever before. He went on to say that uh, Joe Biden, of course, would actually deconstruct or has said he would take down the 300 miles of border wall that have been constructed during the uh, uh, Trump first term. We have spent the last four years reversing the damage Joe Biden inflicted over the last 47 years. (laughs) Biden's record is a shameful roll call of the most catastrophic betrayals and blunders in our lifetime. I mean, that is a great point, and, uh, and, and Pete, save your comments. I'm going to play two more clips here. Uh, but that's a great point I want you to talk about because, again, uh, a lot of speakers mentioned Joe Biden. If he had the answers to everything that ails this country, why did he sit on them for 47 years? Why did he accomplish literally nothing in all of that time? More in perhaps no area. Nope, sorry, hold on. Uh, that's a replay. I want to get you one more different one. At the Democrat National Convention, Joe Biden and his party repeatedly assailed America as a land of racial, economic, and social injustice. So tonight I ask you a simple question. How can the Democrat Party ask to lead our country when it spends so much time tearing down our country? And Pete, that's kind of a a follow-up to what you and I talked about at the end of the last hour. Um, How can the Democrat Party expect to 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 ask the american people or expect the american people to give them the keys to something that they hate so much that they literally spent four straight days talking about how terribly wrong and systemically racist it is how terribly unjust this entire country is how the principles upon which this country was built uh, are wrong about how the founders of this great country were evil men who held slaves and therefore they have to be deconstructed uh, how can they expect to lead a country that they tell the American people on a regular basis that they really, really hate? Well, they're not going to be leading it in the traditional sense, I think you've just alluded to. They're going to turn it around and go in a different direction, a direction that so many other countries over the years have taken. We've seen this movie so many times before. Unfortunately, many of us have not learned the lesson, and there is a Herculean effort on the part of academia, media, Democrats, to erase our history and not really educate properly. You know, you and I, Bob, have talked about the 1619 Project, for example, and 
For your listeners out there who remember that discussion, recall that the academic year is beginning, and the Ohio School Board voted as a predicate in a resolution that opens the path to the 1619 Project curriculum to be introduced. Uh, it's that type of narrative that is being broadcast throughout the land by the progressives and their media enablers and academia. It's a pernicious, corrupt uh, uh, policy and practice and educational instrument. And this is the kind of thing the Democrats are interested in doing. They make no bones about it. AOC and the squad, I know you've heard it very often from political prognosticators, political commentators, and politicians that uh, they want to turn the Democratic Party into a socialist party. Well, they have already accomplished that. Yeah. That's not an exaggeration. It's Look at the unity platform between Biden and Sanders, right? Literally, the DNC Precisely. platform that has been put together, as Bernie said on uh, uh, during their convention, he said what used to be radical ideas are now mainstream in the Democrat Party. His radicalism of social uh, of, so, uh, of socialism literally has been adopted by the DNC. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Right, and you saw, maybe you saw last night, there were several former Democrats who testified as to why it is that they're supporting Trump. In other words, the Democratic Party left them, and many of them are far to the left of you and me, Bob. Uh, you know, there was one there who was an avowed Bernie bro. I mean, he was a socialist, and he said, these guys were too extreme for me, for a socialist. But I don't see how anybody in a Democratic Republic can claim to want to lead a country as corrupt and evil as what the Democrats have been describing America to be. But what they describe is utterly false. It may feel good to some. Now, again, we start with the premise, unfortunately, we always have to say this as kind of a disclaimer that, yes, there are imperfections with respect to America. I even hate to even say that. There are imperfections with everything. But nonetheless, a country such as this for them to want to change it into a failed enterprise that throughout history we've seen whenever this tack has been taken, it, it's going to fail. That's why I've been saying for a couple of months, Bob, on this show and others, that I believe that it's a long way to go. You never know what's going to happen in the next 66 days. But I've been saying for months, I believe Trump wins in a landslide. I don't say that cavalierly. I look at the data points. You put, put aside the polls for a second. Many of these polls are so skewed, uh, that, that they're not even useful for, for uh, uh, fertilizer. But nonetheless, the fundamentals that have been in place for more than 100 years point to a Trump victory. Maybe it's not going to be a landslide. That's what I see right now, and I reserve the right to change <laughs> my, my prognostication. But right now, if you look at what's happening throughout the society, even the Democrats in the last week have gotten wind of the fact that they're in deep trouble because they said absolutely nothing about the number one thing on America's minds right now. It's not coronavirus. It, you know, we, have, we understand coronavirus. It's something that's not susceptible of easy political solutions. It's a disease. But what we can control is what we do as individual citizens. And when we see the riots, the looting and all of that going on, the attacks on the police and the calls to defund the police, those are things that are readily, not just readily susceptible 
of government remedies. That's the chief obligation of the government. And in every democratic city, their administrations have abdicated their principal function and have taken the side of thugs and looters. Not people who are upset, simply upset about what they perceive to be social injustice, but thugs and looters. And they say absolutely nothing about it. A party like that cannot prevail in November. It simply can't because most people are still sane. Um, Pete, let's let's follow up on that here. Um, as you pointed out, not a word about all of the violence that is... Uh, uh, continuing to uh, uh, to to create more victims in all of these Democrat cities, um, almost all of them large urban centers, and we're talking, of course, about Seattle, Portland, Minneapolis, uh, New York, uh, Cleveland to some extent, Chicago, uh, now Kenosha. Uh, they said nothing for the entire four days. Joe Biden has not condemned the violence in any of those cities. Joe Biden has not pounded a desk and said, I want this to stop now. Do not do this. This is the not, not the right way to bring about change we seek. He has been absent completely until he saw the polls, and CNN pointed this out. Polls and focus groups show that he is losing big time with people because they are angry with this. And so suddenly, here comes Joe. You know, as I said after George Floyd's murder, Protesting brutality is a right and absolutely necessary, but burning down communities is not protest. It's needless violence. So he finally says it's needless violence, and he, and he, and he condemns it. But then he went also on to say, Peter Kersenow, that it's Donald Trump who has been cheering for and rooting for the violence. The, the vice president echoed the president last night by, uh, by telling uh, Americans that they would not be safe in Joe Biden's America. <laughs> well, you know, look, um, if you think about it, Donald Trump saying uh, you're not going to be safe in Joe Biden's America. All the video being played is being played in Donald Trump's America. OK, I didn't have the clip there I wanted in which he said that Trump is rooting for more violence. He thinks that it helps him. So, Pete, how do you respond to that? I mean, Joe Biden just seems so disconnected from reality here. It's very embarrassing. Bob, you and I back in June when there were riots here in Cleveland discussed this. The fact that Democrats didn't immediately come out and condemn it, we said this was going to have a negative effect on their election prospects. The fact that they didn't immediately do it, and they didn't. They said absolutely nothing through their own convention. And you're right. Polling data now has alarmed them. As Tucker said a couple of nights ago, Don Lamont said, hey, wait a minute, it's starting to show up in polling data. Right. They didn't care when thousands of businesses that were created by people who worked and scraped their entire lifetimes to put it together, they didn't care when those businesses were trashed or when Captain Dorn was killed trying to protect his friend's establishment or when billions of dollars worth of goods were being looted and billions of dollars worth of property damage were being committed and scores of people were being murdered and thousands were being hurt. They said nothing about that and cheered the demonstrators, cheered not just them, they, they said peaceful protests with buildings burning behind them. They were cheering arsonists. They were cheering looters and thugs. They weren't cheering simple protesters because we saw precious little protesting after the first couple of days. What we saw was complete and utter breakdown of civil order. We saw destruction. We right. saw violence. And they said when they weren't cheering it, when they weren't misrepresenting it as peaceful protests, they were remaining 
utterly silent. And now, at the 11th hour, after three and a half months of this, for him to say, as I've always said, no, you didn't say anything. You were cowering in your basement, and you knew you were between a rock and a hard place. You created this monster, and now you cannot alienate part of your base. You have got the That's... radicals out there who are supporting this, and they're be- they, he doesn't know what to say. He can't condemn it too harshly. Those radicals are their base, are his right, base, exactly. rather. That's why exactly. he didn't condemn them, and now he actually wants to try to pass it off, saying Trump is rooting for the violence. It is, uh, it is, it's inconceivable. Pete, uh, I've got one more segment uh, with you. We'll take this short time out now and finish up with Peter Kirsten now. Don't forget Jim Simpson at 1035 on AM 1420 The Answer. All right, 1024, I've got six good minutes left with Peter Kersenow as we look back at the week that was in the RNC. Pete, we talked about some of the highlights. We talked about uh, Ann Dorn. We talked about Herschel Walker. One of the guys uh, that gave a tremendous speech on behalf of the president was Rand Paul. And uh, I want to talk to you about what happened last night. I'm assuming you saw when he left the president's acceptance speech at the White House what happened. Or maybe you saw his interview on Fox News this morning. But Rand Paul and his wife and two other female guests of that couple um, had to be protected in a, in a, in a virtual police cocoon around them as rioters and protesters tried to assault. And in fact, one officer was carrying a bicycle in front of him, using it as a barricade to uh, allow, uh, uh, Rand Paul and his wife to, to move forward. Uh, and he got knocked over and knocked into, uh, uh, the senator and his wife and guests. Um, this is out of control when you literally, I mean, Rand Paul, by the way, was hospitalized for weeks when a neighbor attacked him in his yard, broke his ribs for crying out loud. You literally have elected officials, if they are not woke, liberal Democrat elected officials, who are not safe in public venues any longer. This was an atrocity from what I saw last night. I wanted to get your reaction. Yeah, I think that those are the kind of things that move the needle. People look at that and they understand that there is chaos abroad in the land, and there's one party that is either indifferent to it, if not supporting it, and there's another that opposes it. People want order. That's, again, the fundamental job of government. We don't care about the government to assign bathrooms to us or anything else like that. You know, we can, we can handle those things on our own very well. But when it comes to things that we cannot handle broadly on our own, that's what the government's for. That's why we're paying taxes. I think that that hurts Democrats. There are a number of fundamentals, Bob. You know, you heard me say just a few minutes ago, I believe Trump wins in a landslide. And I got an email uh, while we're on break from a listener who said, well, what are some of these fundamentals? There are so many of them that I'm not going to be able to describe them all within the next couple of minutes. But one of them is the fact that over the last 150 years, there's only been three incumbents who've been defeated, okay? And they've been defeated by remarkable individuals. For example, Jimmy Carter in 1980 was defeated by Ronald Reagan. Is there anybody in your listening audience who for a moment believes that Joe Biden is Ronald Reagan or that Donald Trump is the same as Jimmy Carter? Donald Trump is a force of nature, as was Ronald Reagan. It's, it's not going to happen. Moreover, again, all of these riots, this complete chaotic disorder, that augurs toward the incumbent, in this case, who is pro-police, pro-law and order. We saw it in 1968 during the Democratic National, Conven- or Democratic National Convention in Chicago. Everything seemed to be out of control, riots throughout the land. Again, Nixon prevails big time. Number three is the fact that right now Donald Trump is up 10 points on independence, 10 points with respect to independence. And those are the swing voters. 
those are the individuals who largely are going to define the election in addition to an enthusiastic base. Trump has a base that's as enthusiastic as we've ever seen. Biden, eh, not so much. A Trump for Biden, uh, a vote for Biden is really a vote against Trump in most circumstances. Agreed. A vote for Trump is clearly, and we know, Bob, you and I know, scores of broken glass Trump voters that are going to crawl yep. over broken glass to vote for this guy Biden. He's not getting out of his own basement. He can't inspire anybody else to vote. In addition to that, and this is the most important one, I've been harping on this for more than a, a year, Bob, and you've been you know, accommodating me on this, the black vote. Mm-hmm. I've been looking at this for a number of years, but with respect to the last year, right now, there are at least two polls that continue to show that uh, Trump has a 36% approval rating among blacks. Even if you discount that a little bit and say it's a 30% approval rating, that's extraordinary for a Republican. I've done the math over the last 30 years, and when a Republican has an approval rating of that, you usually discount it by 40%, and you get close to what the actual election total is going to be. You could do it for the 2004 uh, George Bush vote, where he had, uh, and I don't remember the exact statistics, but I believe it was a 20% approval rating. He ended up with approximately 12% of the black vote. That was the difference maker. Right now at 36%, that could mean Trump could get as much as 20% of the black vote. I don't think he's going to get that. But if he gets 12% of the black vote, game over. And I think that's why one of the reasons why Democrats are apoplectic right now. It's also one of the reasons why Trump the racist had more black faces in testimonial positions than the Democrats did. And in places where it was meaningful, too, not just simply mouthing platitudes, but recounting their own experiences, personal experiences with this man, also the manner in which they've benefited from his policies. And it is absolutely true that the unemployment rate among among blacks is the lowest it's ever been. And in contrast with the Biden uh, Biden, administration, (laughs) right, with uh, the Obama-Biden administration, remember what the figures were for blacks. It was one of the worst periods in modern time economically for blacks. Blacks actually, the, the... the, the labor force participation rate dropped. The unemployment rate generally hovered around 10%. In fact, the, the unemployment rate among teenagers, black teenagers, was the highest in history. It was extraordinary. Median household income had plummeted. All those things have taken a dramatic V-turn under the Trump administration. And I can tell you, having met with the man shortly after the election, when I was kind of agnostic about him, that one of this was a principal focus of his. We discussed this at length. He wanted to turn things around for all Americans, but especially black Americans. So Trump, the racist, worst racist in history. And the best part about him is that he comes on the heels of Barack Obama, the first black president. The first black president did nothing for black America with criminal justice reform, with employment, with salaries, all the the, the historically black colleges and universities, all of these things, opportunity zones. He did nothing for them. He's replaced by Donald Trump, who has done all of the above for black America and yet somehow carries the reputation of being a racist in Democratic circles. Peter Kirstenau, terrific stuff. Congratulations again on your uh, vice chairmanship of the uh, um, United States Commission on Civil Rights. Thank you, Pete. Thanks, Bob. Good weekend. You too, sir. 1031. We'll get a timeout and come back with Jim Simpson. Red Green Axis Exposed. Another online briefing. That's coming up on Sunday, and he'll be next right here on The Authority.
attention, social justice warriors. If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. 1036, we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Hey, before I bring on my guest, I want to I alert you to something. <clears throat> um, regarding the shooting of Jacob Blake that has led to all of the riots in Kenosha, Wisconsin, it led to the cancellation of NBA playoff games, uh, a threat to the cancellation of the rest of the NBA postseason, Major League Baseball, uh, because of this systemic, horrific racial brutality because the officer shot Jacob Blake. In that instance, two things. Number one, new video and new details have emerged. Those officers tased him twice. Not once, but twice they used a taser on him. It did not stop him. So for those who are saying, why would you have to use a lethal uh, weapon? Why didn't you use the taser? They tased him twice. It did not stop him. They could not bring him under control and under arrest. Uh, So that's number one. And number two. I have a very personal feeling about this because I went through a shoot-don't-shoot simulation with Westlake Police five years ago, shortly after I started this show on AM 1420, The Answer. And I have posted the video from that shoot-don't-shoot scenario. It aired on TV uh, Channel 19, 19 Action News, as it was called at the time. Scott Taylor ran this uh, piece. And I had a situation that was very, very similar. I had a suspect in my simulation in the car that I had pulled over, and he got out of his car and started to stomp toward me and then went back to his car. And despite my repeated warnings and, and, and my uh, commands to stop and uh, show me your hands, he reached inside the car. And as soon as he reached inside the car and turned, I shot him. Now, thankfully, it was a simulation. But I can tell you that the adrenaline that is pumping in that moment when you don't know what he is turning around with after he reached inside the car, is it a gun? Is it a knife? Is it is it a Pepsi? Um, I wasn't waiting to find out. As it turned out, it was a tire iron, and he was going to brain me with it. I put that video on my Facebook page, the reason for this discussion. I want you to watch it. And I want you to know why I support the police officers in situations like this. They told him not to reach inside that car. They're not going to wait until he turns around and fires any more than I waited for the guy to turn around and slam me in the head with a tire iron. I want you to watch that video. I had a personal experience with that. That's why I've been so passionate about all of these idiots trying to uh, make these statements that the United States has got to change. We're not going to play basketball again until there's some change that stops cops from shooting criminals like Jacob Blake. Watch that video on my Facebook page. It's France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio, France Radio on Facebook. I have dropped Twitter. All right, sorry about the delay there as I bring Jim Simpson onto the program. Jim Simpson is a former economist and budget examiner for the White House Office of Management and Budget under Presidents Reagan, H.W. Bush, and Clinton. He is an expert in immigration and refugee resettlement, and he runs the Red-Green Axis Exposed, along with my friend Dan Ramada, which you can check out online. Uh, Jim Simpson, good to have you back on the program. How are you, sir? Hey, Bob. Great to be with you again. Always a pleasure, Jim Simpson. Looking forward to Sunday night's uh, latest online security briefing. Your guest is going to be John Graves of Vision America. And I want you to tell us a little bit about John and what the theme of this Sunday night's uh, webinar is going online security briefing slash webinar is going to be. 
Well, John is and really an amazing guy, and he Vision America is an effort to reach out to Christians to inspire them to get involved in the political process, because there are about 30 million Christians in the United States who do not vote, and half of those have not even registered to vote. And I mean, if there's any reason to vote, what we have seen going on over the past few months, if you're not willing to get engaged now, you know, the reason we have the messes we have, the reason we have so much misinformation out there, the reason we have people rioting the streets over lies um, is because so many people have sat on the sidelines and decided, oh, it doesn't affect me, or oh, I can't do anything about it anyway. And it, it especially, to me, especially as a Christian, uh, uh, offensive that there are so many Christians out there that don't believe it's their responsibility to participate in our political process and and vote, because really, our nation was founded on the principles of Christianity, and it's what made our nation great. And so the people who bow out uh, on the basis that they don't think that they're supposed to be involved, or they don't think they need to be involved, it's inexcusable. And so John's... Uh, 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 pro, his, his organization, Vision America, reaches out to Christians, and he has two other uh, organizations that work with that. One is called uh, Acts 2028 Pastors, and that's an outreach to various pastors. And then there's another one called Million Voices, where it's a reach out to all the various um, Christians out there that aren't, aren't voting. And the three together... Uh, work to uh, mobilize uh, Christians to vote, because, you know, if they would, it would be a game-changer. That many people out there voting, and, 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 uh, and this is for non-Christians as well, we all need to be out there this year voting to make sure that we keep this president in office, and not only that, but take back the House, increase our majority in the Senate, and take back state houses and state legislatures that have been chipped away by the Democrat left through vote fraud and all the other sleazy, slimy, dishonest tactics they use to uh, seize and keep power. Jim Simpson is our guest with Red Green Access Exposed. We have Jim on uh, frequently. Whenever he has a guest that is coming up for one of their online security briefings, we like to bring Jim in. Jim, of course, is the author of two books on the Red Green Axis, which for those who are unfamiliar, I kind of assume everybody knows you not by now, Jim, but just to remind everybody, the Red Green sure. Axis that you write about uh, uh, refers to the, kind of the unholy uh, alliance between communism, the red, and Islamism, the green. And, uh, right. 
and it is a very dangerous combination indeed. So you bring guests on frequently to talk about the battle, and and right now the battle is going to be at the ballot box. You're a thousand percent correct. That's why John Graves' Envision America is so important here. Now, he put together a... Uh, a church-approved, as I understand it, voter guide that is targeting over yep. 7 million evangelicals and people that he reaches yep. through pastors, evangelical pastors yep. and others, uh, and, and uh, other uh, evangelical leaders or evangelists, per se. Yep. Tell us about yep. that guide and tell us why, uh, Jim Simpson, the Christian vote and the evangelical Christian vote is going to be so crucial in 60, what, seven days? Well... Uh, you know, the guide basically shows the various positions on uh, all those issues that would be of interest to Christians and non-Christians alike, frankly, uh, and compares and contrasts. It just basically lays out, without comment, the positions of the Republican Party and the positions of the Democratic Party on things like, you know, abortion, school choice, uh you know, a long list of different uh, issues. And, you know, when you put those side by side, uh, it's it's hard. It's very easy to know what choice is the right choice to make. Uh, It's very easy to see that when you see really side by side the comparison and contrast between the Republican and Democrat parties on the various issues. And and I know from having just gone through a congressional race that for some, uh, it's amazing how ignorant people are on these issues that so many people don't even know this is where uh, the the parties stand on various issues. It, it, It stunned me. I thought all these things were a foregone conclusion. But they're really not, because most people are just so disengaged, uh, and they, they just don't pay attention. And when they're, when those, uh, issues are put right in front of people, uh, the, the, the choice is pretty stark and it's pretty clear. And now, as we're seeing the Democrat Party supporting and really encouraging these riots, uh, and doing nothing to stop them, all based on false premises, which I, I really enjoyed what you said before we started, because, you know, I've worked with law enforcement. I budgeted for federal law enforcement agencies as part of my responsibility in the Office of Management and Budget. And I know all the training they go through. I know all the situations that they have to run into that nobody could anticipate before. And I've done those, uh, you know, shoot, no shoot simulations at, at the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center in Georgia. And it's very hard to choose in a split second, uh, right. you know, who's friend and who's foe. And, and, and as we have found out, both in the George Floyd situation and in this new situation in Winosha, uh, both the, 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 the police used proper tactics. Now, in the George Floyd case, the guy was on his neck for too long, but George Floyd was already dead. He had uh, like something like ten times the amount of fentanyl in him that kills normal people. So he was already gone. He was uh, 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 out of breath because he was dying, and that was way before anybody put a hand on him. Yeah, but he was saying, "I can't breathe." He was, he was saying, "I can't breathe" when he was still in the car. 
when he yes, was still he in, still the, in car the car and claiming he was that he was um, he was claiming he was um, uh, um, claustrophobic and couldn't be in the back of the car, and so they right. let him out of the car. Actually, he got out the other side and they held him there until right. uh, an ambulance could get there. And right. of course, right. the big problem right. here was, yeah, it looked awful that the uh, the officer yeah. knelt on him for as long as he did because right. it looked like he was you know completely yeah. impervious to the man's pleas. But <laughs> but that's right. a good point. Right. No, and, you know, you run into those situations where you have big, strong people like that who are career criminals, which George Floyd was, uh, uh, and they they lie. <laughs> you know, they say things, and you, so you lighten up, and then they turn around and attack you. Right. You know, it, it's, it's, you can't tell, and it's just like the situation in Georgia, you know. The, the guy was being compliant, and suddenly he just turned around and attacked him. And, right. and then stole his taser and then fired the taser at him, and yet that yeah. was supposed to be one of the, one of the elements of well, the terrible uh, systemic racism and the police brutality and right. police racism and so on and so forth that we're supposed right. to be leading, uh, which is supposed to be leading us to a vote for Joe Biden to get rid of all of that. Well, yeah. it, is, it is insane. The only thing Joe Biden would get rid of is police officers and the yeah, rest of right. the socialists that are running him and his campaign. They would get rid of police officers, which ironically or not, uh, would kill more black people in America than they have ever yeah, imagined. Much, because that yeah, is where the yeah. vast majority of black, the uh, uh, vast majority of the homicides in this country come from uh, the yeah. African-American community, and their victims are 95% of the time black. And, um, and, of, and of course, the media has, has ignored the pleas of the majority of blacks who have said, please don't defund the police. 81 per just to throw the number when you say majority 81 percent in a gallup survey of black americans said we want the cops to stay in our community as they are now or we want more of them because black lives matter and black lives do matter and black lives are being taken at a at at an alarming rate in black communities by black criminals and the only thing that can save them is cops and that's the reality uh, yep. Jim Simpson, we, we, we've got a jet here. I want people yep. to check this out before they go and log on to the um, uh, to the uh, uh, online security briefing Sunday night. Go to Vision America, uh, which is the website uh, for uh, uh, John Graves, who is going to be the guest. Um, yep. It's visionamerica.org. Yep. visionamerica.org and the guest for Red Green Access Exposed again is going to be John Graves Sunday night, 7.30pm the only way you can watch this briefing and participate is to have the Zoom link which you can get by emailing rga at eaglefiremail.com send an email to rga which stands for Red Green Access at eaglefiremail.com Request a Zoom link so that they can clear you and give you the link and watch and listen. Uh, extraordinarily important to get out and vote, especially if you're a Christian. John Graves and Jim Simpson are going to lay it all out for you Sunday night, 7.30 p.m. Jim, always a pleasure. Thank you for your great work, sir. Well, thanks a lot. Great to be with you. Always a pleasure. We'll talk again soon. That's Jim Simpson joining us. Takes us to 10.51, which means got to get out so we can come back in and wrap this one up on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 1056, final segment of the broadcast. Again, it wasn't much of a uh, free-for-all today. I couldn't take calls because I had so many guests and so much audio from the RNC last night. But um, you know the drill. Uh, We take you as soon as we can, I promise you. I want to remind you as we get ready to wrap, 
about Uncle Tom at UncleTom.com. You want to watch that movie. If you have not yet seen Larry Elder's movie, which is one of the most extraordinary documentaries, political documentaries in, uh, in particular, uh, that you're going to see. Uh, you need to do it right now, and you can save 20% off the download price of Uncle Tom, the movie, uh, by using the promo code Cleveland. Save 20% at UncleTom.com. There's such an important reason. Did you see the number of black faces in, in all four nights? And again, they weren't celebrities up there to, uh, you know, to try to pander for votes. This is what the left does. They'll put the Cardi B's of the world up there. Uh, you know, Joe Biden sits down for interviews with Cardi B. I mean, they trot out these minority celebrities who just are, you know, far leftist communists like they are. That's, that's how they try to attract the black vote. You know, President Trump in the RNC put up Alice Johnson. You know, they, they put up real people in real circumstances who have been helped and not just blacks. Uh, but they put up minorities of all different types um, who are real American people who have benefited greatly from the policies um, and and the concern and the care of the Trump administration. And just quite frankly, of the conservative movement in this country, it is where the true diversity lives. It's diversity of thought, unlike Joe Biden, who doesn't think there is any diversity of thought. That's another thing that comes out in Uncle Tom, the movie. You're going to hear different thoughts from from black people that they're not supposed to have in Joe Biden's world. Remember, there's only diversity of thought in the Latin community, in the Hispanic community, unlike African-Americans, who all think alike. Well, listen to Candace Owens, listen to uh, Brandon Tatum, listen to the late Herman Cain, listen to Larry Elder, listen to all of these African-American conservatives who had the epiphanies of a lifetime when they realized that the real true um, America that embraces them and their thoughts and their ideas and their diversity without expecting them to be the same as everyone else who looks like them is in the Republican Party and the conservative movement. UncleTom.com is the name of the movie. Um, all right, unfortunately, we're not going to have time to take any calls, so let me wrap with this. Uh, CFFS, um, Citizens for Free Speech, is an extraordinarily important organization, one that I am very intimately involved with. Our first webinar is coming up in less than a month. It's in about two and a half weeks, actually. September 16th at 7.30 p.m., we are going to prevent, present our first Citizens for Free Speech Ohio chapter webinar in which we are going to talk about what we are doing and how you can help us protect and defend the First Amendment to the United States Constitution. That's what Citizens for Free Speech is all about. I want you to be a part of it. You've got to be a member in the state of Ohio to watch and participate in that webinar. So do me a favor over the weekend at some point. Go to CFFS, or rather, citizensforfreespeech.org and register yourself as a member and join us in this very important effort. That's all the time we've got today. Enjoy your weekend. Be safe. Be well. Be free. We'll see you Monday. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Enjoy the silence. Let me tell you about an amazing place in Beechwood, Ohio, called Spaces. Spaces is a leading consignment and liquidation company, and their very experienced staff has combined their unique talents and personalities to create a showroom filled with some of the most unique furniture, lighting, jewelry, and art that you will ever see. Spaces offers the ability to consign your items where they're displayed in their 20,000-square-foot showroom, and their expertise is that they work very close with their clients to ensure that all of their expectations are met. 
Owner Trina Miller has been doing major cleanouts and moveouts at hoarder houses for over 47 years, and she has become probably the number one hoarder specialist in northeastern Ohio. So stop into their incredible showroom today in Beechwood or call for an appointment at 216 378 4900. That's 216 378 4900. Or go to spacesconsignment.com. This is AM 1420, The Answer, WHK, W273DG, Cleveland, a service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Rich Thomason in Washington. President Trump travels to New Hampshire later today. He'll be holding a campaign rally in Londonderry, the president's trip coming a day after he accepted the Republican presidential nomination at the White House, He addressed a huge crowd on the South Lawn before a fireworks show lit up the nighttime sky. Hurricane Laura, downgraded to a tropical depression, was a deadly storm. It's blamed for at least six fatalities, along with considerable property damage on the northwest Gulf Coast. Uh, Forecasters say the storm is an incredible rainmaker expected to bring a lot of rain to the mid-Atlantic region, and that will be happening tomorrow. On Wall Street this morning, stocks in positive territory. The Dow is up 37 points. The S&P 500 index ahead three. The Nasdaq up 37 points. This is SRN News.